Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. There are certain things you can't ignore. You can't ignore the black church. It's the fastest growing part of the church. So you're going to have to engage with us somehow. The Profile with Premier Christianity magazine. You're listening to Premier Christian Radio. I'm Sam Hells, editor of Premier Christianity magazine. If you have seen our latest issue, you will know that gracing the front cover this month is Pastor Agu, the pastor of Jesus House Church, one of the biggest churches in London. And this month, he's been sitting down with Heather Tomlinson to share something of his life story, how he came to faith, his views on prayer and revival, and also his views on wider societal issues as well. And this interview that you're about to hear was recorded at ARC, that stands for the Alliance for Responsible Citizenship, held its inaugural conference late last year. You may have heard about it in the press because one of the founders of ARC is the famous psychologist Jordan B. Peterson. Well, Pastor Agu is one of the people involved in ARC, and this is a new forum to try and deal with the biggest issues facing our society today. And so you'll hear Pastor Agu touch on some of those issues in this interview. Without any further ado, let me hand you over. This is Heather Tomlinson in conversation with Pastor Agu. So Pastor Agu, it's fantastic to have you here. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us at, at Premier. Um, we're here at a conference, very interesting conference, uh, the Alliance for Responsible Citizenship. I, think, I believe you've been involved in the organisation, the development of it. Do you think this is the start of a new era of engagement of Christians and politics and bringing the Christian message into um, the political sphere? Um, well, I, I think it's, it's not just into the political square, it's into the public square. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't say this is the start. There are many other uh, things that are happening, but this will certainly contribute um, to that. Your background is a very interesting one. And you trained as a lawyer. And you worked as a barrister, is that right? Um, I worked as a, 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 a solicitor more than a barrister. And an investment banking as well? Yes, that was my, my passion at one time. So what inspired you to go into law? Well, I, I, I think my father, I think he was a lawyer. And yeah, as I just grew up, I thought that's what I'm going to end up doing. Um, probably 90% or more of, of us in our family are lawyers for that reason. And, and that's why I ended up, you know, doing a law degree. I soon found out um, just before I finished that I didn't really want to do that. And that's how I ended up eventually in investment banking. Okay. Uh, and then found out that I didn't want to do that. So uh, here I am doing what, what I guess I wish I'd found out at the start because <laughs> now I love what I do. So you had quite a radical conversion, is that right? In the 90s, you when you became a Christian. Can you tell us about that? Um, well, I'm radical, uh, 
I guess I, I was, I always thought I was a Christian. I was born into a Christian home and I went to church now and again to please my mother. Um, sent me on Easter Sunday and Christmas and stuff like that. Um, so when I started searching and it was a very interesting period in my life, I, um, my father would be considered a very well off man. So I, I wasn't lacking anything material. I had a great job in an investment bank. And so he was making more money than a young man has any right to make. Um, very social, very, very social. And so very hectic social life. Um, so in a sense, all was good. Uh, but there was just something that was missing, which I couldn't put my finger on. Um, and in the quieter moments, I, 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 I would spend time wondering what exactly is not right. I mean, you're earning this money, you're a young man, you, you have all this, you know, this hectic social life, your material needs are taken care of, not, not just because of your salary, but because your parents are well off. Um, so what is wrong? And, and interestingly, I didn't think it could be anything to do with my faith because um, I thought, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian, you know. And then, yeah, I guess I began to search because that, those moments got deeper and deeper. When all the lights were out and you were on your own, you know, there's just something that was missing. There was a big yawning gap in my life. Um, and then I began to think it must be something to do with God. Um, and my, my, the first places I turned to, first place I turned to wasn't Christianity because I thought I'm there and it, it hasn't solved it. And so I began to think, could it be any of these other fake? Um, and then I remember some of the actors that I liked were into all kinds of feist and faith. Um, and I began to think, could it be that? Um, and then, uh, bless her soul, my, my late wife, who then was just a friend, um, pointed me in the direction of this church and said, I think you like it. Loads of young people, stuff like that. Now, the way God works at the same time, literally the same week, um, a lady in the investment bank who uh, has become like a spiritual big sister sits on the board of Jesus House and is very involved spiritually. Great woman of God. Um, also said, mentioned this church to me and I thought, that's interesting. Why? So I went to, I went to church. Uh, I'd never been into a Pentecostal church. I was thoroughbred Anglican. Um, and I'd never seen anything like that. I'd never seen so many young people in church. I'd never seen so many young, happy people in church. I'd never heard music like that in church. Um, and that was the start. I thought, that, you know what? I'm going to come back. I'd never heard preaching like that. I never knew the Bible could be relevant in that sense. Um, and I thought, you know what? I want to come back. Um, and I went back a few times and quickly figured that this whole thing centers around this Bible. And I thought, I asked my late wife then, I said, can she get me a Bible? Interestingly, I was a Christian. I didn't have a Bible. That tells you the state of my Christianity. And so she got me a Bible and I started reading the Bible. But I was trained as a lawyer, so I read it as a legal book. And that's the worst thing you can do because it's not a legal book. And so I, I found too many places where it didn't add up. You know, uh, there were lots of questions I had and I would, I would ha write out all these questions. She would stop by, answer some, and some she just couldn't answer. But I was on the journey. And somewhere along that journey, reading, this, reading the Bible, uh, what I now know 
was the Holy Spirit working on me, I did realize that. I just began to think, this could be it, you know. And, uh, yeah, the rest is history. At some point, I came to the conclusion that this is it. And yeah, and it was very uh, dramatic for those who were around me because it was a radical change. Uh, and yeah, most people thought some, I'd lost my mind or something had gone wrong because it was very, very radical. Was, I just literally stopped a, a certain kind of life, most of it, and then threw myself into bliss. So it must have been radical enough for you to give up that, the, the good income, the, the great social life. So you, it was powerful enough that you could give up these material things. Well, I did, it didn't happen immediately. I mean, I, the social life was rearranged immediately, um, which was a whole big deal within my social circle because I was very, very social in that sense. Um, and then I, uh, I, I worked for a bit. I left investment banking and decided to set up a law firm and, you know, a law firm that would do good because now I was into doing good. Um, to got two other partners who also had just come to the faith. Uh, and yeah, we started that. But very soon I got involved in church and, and increasingly more and more involved in church. Um, and I just found fulfillment in what I was doing. Um, my, 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 the, the thing that drove me from a very young age was I wanted to help people. So my going into investment banking and, and, and law was really for me to raise material resources so that I could do what I wanted to do, which I felt was to go into politics so that you can bring change to people. Now, it was interesting that I found myself in church and found that what I wanted to do, which is to serve people, help people, touch people's lives, I found I, could, I was doing it in church. Um, and increasingly so as I got more and more involved. So, yeah. Fantastic. So what do you think has most helped you to grow um, spiritually, to grow in your spiritual journey? Without, without a doubt, prayer. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt. Mm -hmm. um, if there's one thing I would commend to any Christian who's starting their Christian walk, it would be to develop uh, a strong prayer life. You know, it's the, it's, the, it's the crucible of our relationship with God. Everything comes out of that. Uh, and and I, I try to get people not to see prayer as a thing, but to see prayer as a relationship and the outworking of a relationship. Um, and if you spend time with God in that relationship, it all the rest falls into place. So I would say I would say prayer. What does your prayer life look like? Like how do you uh, do, are you sort of disciplined, or is it more of a kind of uh, when you feel the spirit moves you? How how tell us about your prayer life. Whenever I'm asked that question, I use my wife as an example. So uh, just so that, so that the different sets of people see, understand it's okay. God works with us, I think, to a large extent uh, through our personalities, which has given us. So my wife, Shola, is a very, very disciplined person, extremely disciplined person, very diligent, very meticulous. Uh, and her prayer life is like that. You know, you can set your clock by Shola's prayer life. She doesn't miss an appointment with God. She's up early. You know, she's, she's very ordered. She has prayer journals. 
Uh, I can tell what Shola is praying about by just looking at her wall because it's all scribbled there. Um, she, yeah, she's very organized in her prayer life. Um, I'm not like that. Um, I think a measure of discipline is needed, which I hope I'm getting. Um, I think, you know, before you get into the delight of prayer, there has to be a measure of discipline. But I'm not mega organized like Shola. So I think there's a bit of flexibility in my prayer life. Uh, I, I think there's a bit of, I think God allows that expression. Um, and that's, that's been my own story, story with God. So of course, you know, I, I have, I have a certain measure of discipline and, you know, my, my quiet time generally is around this time, but even then it's, it could be, and then for the next week it, it could change. Um, yeah. But it sounds like um, a living relationship with God or a, the experience of the presence of God is important to you. Yeah, very important. And, uh, and like I say to people, it's, it's, it's not a religious thing. It's a relationship thing. Um, so let's not put prayer in a religious box. Yeah. Um, let's, let's understand that prayer is the outworking of your relationship with God. So whilst you can pray on your knees by your beds, by your bedside regularly, you can also pray on the tube. You can have conversational prayers with God. You can pray when you swim like I do. I mean, it's just that whole, you know, God being central to our lives and us being able to talk to God about anything and everything, including do I go into Starbucks or do I go into Costa Coffee? Um, and then the most, most, most serious things. But it's God enjoying being a part of our lives and us getting used to talking to him about everything. Yeah, fantastic. So I think a big part of your ministry has been um, encouraging and developing men in the faith and um, to men's ministry. Um, how important do you think that is to our society at the moment? And how concerned are you about the, the epidemic of fatherlessness? Been, been I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's very important. Um, I wouldn't say it's more important than, you know, uh, ministry to women or anything. Of course not, because... You no, know, God doesn't put the man above the woman or any, anything like any crazy thing like that. God is very clear, male and female, he made them, and they have the same level. But I think that, uh, I'm, 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 I don't know the exact stats, but I know that if a woman comes to faith, um, there's a certain percentage in terms of the family coming to faith. And if a man comes to faith, it's, it's you know, really two or three times that or something like that. Um, and there's, there's a, there's, in a sense, I feel that society has confused a lot of men. And I feel that there is a sense that we must uh, put a, a, a clear picture before men of who they are, what their responsibilities are, especially their responsibilities to women and to children. Uh, either as wives or friends, as fathers. Um, and I feel you know, that's really um, very important. I think churches do a lot better, much better job with regards to reaching out to women than they do to men. And I think if we're not intentional, we might miss out um, on a large chunk of men who could be better husbands, better bro brothers, better workers, better citizens, 
better in everything just because uh, they get a clear picture of who they are and uh, who God would have them be. What would you hope to see in the church in terms of being better at reaching men and, and better at outlining that vision of, of what uh, a godly man is? Uh, I, I think I think understanding, I think understanding the challenges that the peculiar challenges that men face, because when you understand it, you can deal with it. Um, I think knowing that it's not uh, one size fits all, uh, that there are particular and peculiar challenges to men, and then there are particular and peculiar challenges to men in different cultural settings or different communities so it's understanding that and being able to you know deal with that i think the church needs to do a much better we all need to do a much better job at that um, i think encouraging more men into leadership in the church um, i pastor a church and the women are going to throw themselves forward to serve you know from the from the middle day in the church what can i do where can i help you know stuff like that but the men will sit at the back and watch for a while and try to figure out, you know, where exactly is this thing going. So we've got to be very uh, on the front foot in engaging them and encouraging them to come in to serve. I think uh, role models are a big thing for men. So putting putting before the men role models, you know, with men. Yeah, it's just a thing with men. Just you see somebody who you admire, you just want to you want to go on be a part of what that person is doing. So you are passionate about revival, uh, about seeing renewal in our nation. Uh, what does that look like to you? What do you pray, hope and dream for, for, for this country? Well, I think I pray for uh, the, uh, I mean, the way I would put it is, I said to someone recently, I said, the, the kingdom just has to come. Uh, and that that that's that's the picture for me that this message that John the Baptist announced. Let's see the manifestation of it. Let the kingdom come. Uh, kingdom values, the things that we know are king, kingdom values, um, and I think that would counter a lot of what we see that are definitely not kingdom values. And there's too much of that in our society now. So it's it's. It's actually a wake-up call for the church and for us as, as Christians um, to get out there with this message of the kingdom and to live it because that's the, that the most effective way of preaching it is to live it so that people encounter the kingdom through you. So all the things, we you know, the, the, the love, the respect, the uh, um, heart of service, the patience, all the many things that we know are part of the kingdom, the positivity, joy, you know, yeah. Are there any particular social issues that you're um, especially passionate about addressing? Yeah, there, there's a whole load of them. I don't even know where to start. That tells you how bad things are. I mean, you could start from poverty, which is which is very dear to my heart, like because I'm also Nigerian, African. You know, and they, you know, poverty stares you in the face. And, and the, 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 the paradox is that there's so much wealth and yet so much poverty. So poverty is a big thing. And you see it here in England. In England. I mean, you, you would imagine we'll be talking about poverty in Africa or Asia, but I've seen some extreme poverty here in England uh, that we've tried to respond 
too. So I think poverty is big. Um, I think the the spirit of the culture that we now find ourselves dealing with the toxicity, the the lack of tolerance, um, the cancel culture. Um, they're, 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 you see certain expressions that are vicious, you know, um, wicked almost. And you just wonder, where did this come from? This wasn't like this, you know, 20 years ago, 10 to 10, 20 years ago. So I think, yeah, that's, those are major issues. I think you can't run away from the whole debate around sexuality. Uh, and, and those are things we've got to deal with this day and age. Uh, and and if the, they're not complex things if we dealt with them in a kingdom way. You know, if we were tolerant, if we were respectful, if our language had kindness in it, if we agreed to disagree uh, and respected each person's position, uh, then, then these things suddenly are not as complex. They become toxic and complex when we throw that out of the window and when our position is you must endorse my position. And if you don't, then you're the enemy and I'm going to go for you. And that's where the whole thing falls apart. And you've been a direct target of that. I mean, as someone who sounds like you used to be interested in getting involved in politics, but when Keir Starmer came to visit you and when Theresa May came to visit you, then there was a, a backlash and the press was saying that they shouldn't be going to visit um, homophobic creatures. I mean, how did that make you feel, and and what can what can we do about it? It feels like they're wanting to exclude a huge part of the church from the public square. What what do you think? Well, um, I uh, I mean uh, I, I I used to want to go into politics until I became a preacher and, and pastor, and then that kind of put paid to that. Um, I think in our day and time, it's an occupational hazard. I think we must be, we must accept that there will be some measure of persecution. And when we compare it to the persecution that's going on in Somalia, or northern Nigeria, or, you know, northeast Nigeria, or Pakistan, or India, I mean, you know, it kind of just pales into significance. So if they write a few things about you, and they call you a few names, and you get some vicious, uh, some letters that have vicious insulting words in them, it's okay. If compared to, you know, someone whose wife has been beheaded in front of him or whose children are excluded from school because they serve Jesus. So it's, it's okay. It's an occupational hazard. Um, I think, uh, you know, that if, if we're going to stand on the truth, then we must expect that there will be some attacks for standing on the truth. It just, I mean, there's just no other way it's going to happen because the people who don't like what you're standing on and are not gracious, are not um, engaging in what I would call a kingdom way, are going to engage in the only way that they know. Um, so that's, um, and, and that's not to say it's everybody. I mean, I've met loads of good people who have a different opinion, uh, some of them I have good relationships with and we agree to disagree um, and because they know that I respect them, I respect their opinions, but they also respect me and respect my opinions and we can agree to disagree. Um, so I have met 
people like that on in, in on different issues. Um, so yeah, it's just uh, it's it's what it's what it is. I mean, you know, fortunately, there's certain things you can't ignore. You can't ignore the black church. It's the fastest growing part of the church. So you're going to have to engage with us somehow, uh, because elections turn on numbers, um, and we have numbers, and the numbers are growing. And the black church is a sleeping giant. If it wakes up, it 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 it's it's its influence is significant. So politicians are going to have to engage with us. As long as they're in the game of politics, they're going to have to engage with us. So um, I would say to them, let's arrive at a place where. I respect your position, you respect my position. I respect you, you respect me. And we agree to disagree on certain issues. Um, at least we can agree on, the, on certain fundamentals in terms of the kind of society that we want. Do you think the black African Christian community is unfairly uh, targeted or discriminated against? Because when I look at the, the Christians who've lost their jobs because of expressing views about... Um, LGBT issues that um, when I see those Christians, a lot of them come from the Black African community. I mean, do you, do you think that this is a, an an aspect or an element of discrimination or racial discrimination? Uh, I, I think I think whether Black, White, you know, um, Asian. I think if you stand on on the truth, doesn't matter the color of your skin, uh, you're going to get persecuted for that so i don't i don't necessarily think it's a black thing i think it's just certain people have stood on certain things that they believe um this is the truth um and you know we live in a world where everything is deconstructed now there isn't any truth they want us to to believe and you know some of us are saying no 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 if we go down that route this whole thing is going to collapse um, there must be certain things that are the truth. Um, and so, yeah, we, we'll, we'll stand on it. And um, you'll, get, you'll get, you know, shot at, you'll get, you know, knocked a bit. But, you know, it's okay. It's an occupational hazard, I always say. Start the year enriched and enlightened with thought-provoking Christian content from Premier Christianity magazine. As a special New Year offer, enjoy a year's subscription for just £24. Subscribe today at premierchristianity.com. So, um, in my fellowship with uh, people from the Black African Church, I would say that um, the church as a whole has a lot to learn in terms of being willing to speak the truth. So, um, about, the, about everything, about the gospel. Um, so today, you know, you were very clear um, talking about the kingdom of God, um, talking about Jesus. Um, and sometimes maybe people from the West can be a little bit more afraid and pussyfoot around the subject a little bit and they're nervous about talking about Jesus clearly and explicitly. Um, so what would you say to the church? Do you want us to kind of, do we need to really get behind that truth and have more confidence or or more courage in preaching the gospel clearly? I think so. I think, I think um, the early church, I mean, if we're looking for an example, uh, we couldn't get a better example than the early church. So what caused the spread of the gospel was the boldness of the early Christians. Um, sometimes they lost their lives for 
for that boldness. And I think the church needs a dose of that. I think um, political correctness has gone way overboard. Um, so that now, you know, you can't even, you, 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 you can't speak the truth. I think the truth should be spoken. I think it should be spoken with kindness. I think, I think it is wisdom to be sensitive to people and uh, people's affiliations or where people are. I think all that is absolutely necessary. But I don't think that should water down the truth. I think the truth, the, the, the message of the gospel is that the truth can be spoken with kindness. And I think that the church has to do more of that. I think um, uh, I think we've 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 sadly taken it too far, so that we can't even stand up and declare that this is who I am. I'm a Christian. I'm a lover of Jesus. Um, that's who I am. And you know, I should be able to declare that freely. Uh, no matter the setting I'm in, I should be able to say, you know, let's get this out of the way. I'm a Christian. I'm a lover of Jesus. I happen to work in an investment bank, or I happen to be a politician. I happen to be, you know, a nurse or a doctor, but I'm a Christian and I'm a lover of Jesus. Um, so finally to finish, can you tell us what is the most amazing thing that you have seen God do in your life? Uh, well, there are so many. I mean, to take, if you took, took out my salvation, I think, my marriage to my second wife, Shola, is, is, is very dear to my heart because she's, she's absolutely amazing. I just cannot imagine what my life or the children's lives would have been you know, without her. She's such a blessing for God. So that, that was very amazing. And then my son was very ill, very, very ill. Um, you know, was, he going to be, was he going to leave? Was he not going to leave? Um, medicine plays, played its place played its part and that's we must always acknowledge that that God uses doctors as well and uses nurses as well but ultimately we knew it was God using doctors and using nurses and and his yeah his his young strapping 30 year that almost 30 year old boy um looking at life loves loves his God uh, very passionate about his career um, actually, the kind of model that I think we should be as Christians lives life to the fullest, loves God, you know, passionate about his career. And yeah, that was that was a big one for us. Wonderful. Thank you so much for, for giving us your time today, Pastor Agu. Thank you. Thank you for interviewing me. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine.